0: well then this podcast is for you. We are going to do a deep dive to reveal the secrets to reaching your potential as a runner. The brutal truth about long runs, mileage, and workouts. I brought Ben Jacobs on board three years ago to be the head coach at Run for PRs. His coaching resume is a lot more impressive than mine. He has experience working at the college level as a cross country and track coach and at the high school level. Um, He's been coaching for about a decade now. And he's a very accomplished athlete himself. He's broken 15 in the 5K, um, qualified for Boston and all that stuff. So it's really interesting to me because when I first brought Ben on, um, I was his boss, obviously. But he, the first thing that he wanted to bring to my attention was, you know, you're running a lot of mileage and kind of challenged me on my own training, which I thought was really cool. Um, so when we first chatted, you, you did mention that my mileage was high and that maybe I was running a little bit too fast on my easy days. And I think a lot of runners can relate and they can get caught in that trap of thinking more is better. And that if you just run a little bit faster, you're going to get better. Um, why do you think that is that athletes get caught in that trap?
1: Uh, I just think it's really easy to do. You see everything on social media and you think you might have the same goal time as this other person. But it's it's hard. You got to realize that you're not them. So you don't know their training background or where they're coming from, but you want to achieve what what they want to achieve. So you think you have to do the same things. Same thing. If you see a friend that does this workout in this long run and has success, then you think you can just replicate it. But there are so many factors that affect you.
0: Right. And so when you saw my training, um, for example, or you see other athletes that are kind of getting caught up in that training, what are some key signs that you look for and you know that, okay, maybe they're overreaching or maybe they're doing a little bit too much and it's not helping them. Like how do you know if it's helping or hurting when you just look at someone's training?
1: I think just there are like kind of red flag things. If if you're really tired all the time, uh, if you're not able to hit your workouts, kind of when running starts to become too much and you kind of lose that joy, you might be doing too much too. I think in your case, when I looked at your training, I just saw a lot of runs that were kind of, you're kind of running at a similar pace a lot of the time, including workouts and easy runs. And you see that a lot with people. If Like if someone wants to run 330 to BQ, then you see a lot of their runs start to become around eight minute pace. So then their workouts, they're not able to run faster than that. And their easy runs, they don't feel confident enough to run slower than that. So sometimes cutting back a little bit, focusing on quality, hard effort days, and then having your easy runs be really easy can kind of take Mm -hmm. that training to the next level.
0: Yeah, so polarizing your training, keeping those easy days easy and the hard days hard. I know sometimes people... Um, If they don't have like a structured plan, sometimes they end up in that gray zone, like you were saying, where they're running just kind of at a pace that isn't really gaining them any fitness, but it's not like causing them to lose a ton of fitness. It's just kind of you're stagnant when you're there.
1: Yeah. And then, and then that leads to a lot of frustration as we get a lot of runners that have kind of been at the same point for a couple of years now. And, and running that way, you can see improvements, but at some point you're kind of Kind of becomes stale and you have to change some variable. So a lot of times people are overdoing it on their easy days. And you if you just tweak that or back off on mileage a little bit, everybody thinks more mileage is better. But a lot of times you're just kind of digging yourself into a hole more, is kind of how I look at it. And a lot of times people want to just keep pushing. But if you think about it, if you're in a hole, how are you going to get out? Well, you can't get out by continuing to dig deeper and deeper.
0: Right, that's a good point. So if you're kind of like at that plateau stage, there's a couple of variables I think we're talking about here. And one of them um, is just running, you know, too fast on your easy days and not having that polarized training. So for me, for example, or even yourself, like, how do you figure out um, how slow to go on your easy days? Or what pace is right? um, When you're talking about training and, and avoiding that gray zone kind of where no progress is happening?
1: That's a question that people ask all the time, and and there, are, you know, there are formulas that you can use, or you can say we'll run, you know, a minute, a minute and a half slower than what your marathon goal time is. But I think really the best policy is kind of feel, you know. And I, and I saw a great article the other day about some of the fastest marathon runners in the world that are running, you know, sub five minute pace. They're running four thirty pace at the end of their marathons, and they're running nine thirty pace on their easy days so i don't think you have to really fixate on always hitting the time as much as just how do you feel if you do a hard workout on tuesday and you you know run 2 minutes faster or you know even 2 minutes faster than your typical easy pace you might have to run even slower the next day on the wednesday because you're still tired from that tuesday workout i mean a lot of times people still want to be in the, in what their easy pace typically is, and they feel bad about running slower, but really you're just delaying that recovery. So your next workout is not going to be as good because you ran too hard on your easy day, and then you just get into this constant cycle.
0: Right? No, totally. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. So like you have the hard workout, and then the next day, I mean, you're going a lot slower, and I think that can be like a hard concept to grasp for a lot of people. Because um, even you know if even if it's not like a hard workout, just going slower on your easy days, at least for me, like when I run slow, um, like I know it's good for me and everything, and like I know it's what you're supposed to do. And I do it all the time, you know. Like I, I run, you know, what, two, two to three minutes slower than my half marathon pace on my easy days. But um, just something about seeing that pace and you know, on those days where you're kind of sore from the workout before it can be a little bit mental where you're like, wow, this pace is hard. And I'm going really, really Mm. slow. And I think that's really hard for some people to wrap their head around. And I don't think a lot of people talk about how easy runs are actually hard sometimes like mentally and just seeing how slow you're going and feeling slow and you know how you feel sluggish. I'm sure you, you feel that way sometimes. Um, How would you describe that to someone who's feeling like, that it's really not working because they're going so slow on those easy
1: days. Yeah. I mean, that can definitely be, be a hard thing. And people, especially when you're really fixated on the watch, you know, a lot of people think they, they have to do this, you know, this is how, this is how you get better is by hitting this pace. And, you know, and, and that's just, it's really not true because kind of, like I said, you're just prolonging and delaying things, you know, as much as you know, it is hard mentally to run slow, especially the day after a workout, to see that much slower time. It's way more taxing mentally if you come back for your next workout three days later and you can't hit the pace. And that's that's where I really see people struggle mentally is when those workouts start to go bad because they're not recovering properly. And then you just feel worse and worse and and the worse you feel, you know, your body's not going to perform as well either. So you kind of get into that that mental loop. Whereas I would say, you know, nobody's really should be judging your easy runs and you shouldn't really be either. I mean your workouts and then your races are are what really matters. So who really cares if you're if you're running however easy on an easy day, as long as you're recovering and, and feeling good to come back for your next hard effort.
0: Right. And I love how you say it's kind of like a cycle. It's not something we're overnight, you know, you feel totally different. It's like, okay, if you take your easy runs too hard, you're just not recovering enough. And then it compromises the next workout and the cycle just kind of continues. And that is where sometimes like the whole burnout can happen and the long term effects of doing this really happen. Um, But like, yeah, going slower on your easy days, I feel is really hard because it does take a lot of self control. So, you know, you might have done for example like on monday i did a 10 mile or 12 mile workout at like seven minute pace and then the next day i went out for like seven miles at nine minute pace and could i have gone faster on my easy run yes like i definitely could have um but i i was trying to like lift my body and just really like go super slow and sometimes when you see the pace you're like wow this is like really slow is there something like wrong with my body right now i want to make sure i can still go fast but just trusting that process and allowing that healing to occur is like really important. Um, And I think sometimes people they forget like the purpose of easy running. Um, A lot of the times in your when when you're in a cycle doing workouts is just to recover. And so just allowing the proper pace for recovery to occur, because you might finish an easy run, you know, going at a faster pace and feel okay. But it's that long term effect of doing it over and over and compromising that recovery because you know it's the whole formula stress plus rest equals growth and if you're not getting that full recovery and rest you're not going to be able to have that growth occur
1: right and and i think that's something to really keep in mind too is the body is really incredible and it will continue to adapt but there's a point where where it can no longer keep going so you might be able to run hard every single day for 2 weeks but at some point you're going to have negative consequences. So you might feel good doing this for however long, but at some point it will catch up with you. And then another thing is that, you know, we really actually do get better kind of in those recovery periods. Like you, you do a hard workout, you, you know, you really tax your body. Then when you come back and run easy, you're promoting, you know, you're promoting blood flow and your body is recovering and you're, you're kind of, you're getting ready for that next workout. But that's when you actually get better. If you run hard every day and beat your body up every day, you never have a chance to actually improve.
0: Right. So just taking it easy, remembering it's a recovery activity. And that's also kind of why we recommend lifting on those harder days, because if you're doing your easy run and then you're doubling up with lifting and you're doing all these other super taxing activities, um, you're not going to be able to recover as well. And even just like on the day to day, I try to plan, like if I have, you know, like a stressful day of work, or I have something going on in my life, that's gonna like cause me to expend extra energy, I actually try to do that the same day as my workouts, because then I know, you know, like on those easier days where I don't have a lot going on, I can just kind of lay low and not add that extra stress. And I think that makes a difference by allowing your body to recover, because your body doesn't know the difference between like workout stress and like life stress. So if you're able to find that balance, like that yin and the yang, like, the stress plus the rest, um, it's going to be able to help you more long-term.
1: Right. Yeah. That's definitely something to keep in mind too, that, that all these other factors, your you know, stress at home for, for a lot of our athletes, kids or work career stress, it's all going to continue to add up and, and it's going to have an effect on on your performance. So just keeping that in mind and managing what you can with that and, and things happen, life happens.
0: Yes, definitely. And sometimes those things like we don't even have control over, like yesterday we were going to record this podcast and you texted me and you're like, well, my wife's flight was traveling for work, got in at two in the morning. So you didn't really get to sleep. And that's something that like for a couple of days, your body's playing catch up. So if you were training for something, I'm sure you would definitely be adjusting um, your workouts. And when you do them, just because you had that event where, you know, you, <laughs> you didn't really get to sleep that night. <laughs> so right.
1: Yeah, and that's that's something that, you know, there's always flexibility within training. So, and we always talk about that with our athletes, that if you have a workout on a certain day and, and something really stressful happens or like that, you don't get any sleep, there's room to adjust. It doesn't, you don't have to just continue to plow through. Things aren't written in stone. There's always room to make some adjustments and tweak things for schedules.
0: Totally. I think that training plans are more of like an outline. Um, nothing is ever set in stone. So we love making adjustments and having it fit better with your life. And it kind of changes the whole picture. That's why having a coach is nice because it's like one little tweak, you know, you missed a 20 mile long run. Oh, what do I do? Um, but usually it's just a couple of tweaks here and there and a good coach will be able to reframe everything. It's really not a big deal. If you miss like two weeks of training, um, not the end of the world, you know, you can always make adjustments um, there. Right. I think another topic that's really popular is you know how many days per week people run and how much mileage should you run um and that's kind of a loaded question because i know it can really vary from person to person and even it can vary um from person to person within different seasons of training um so the whole idea of like high mileage i think a lot of people really they get caught up and they want to do you know those 40 50 60 and even above weeks and they think You know, in order to run a certain time, they have to be running um, a certain weekly mileage. And I know for me personally, um, when I first started running, it's like I didn't really care too much about weekly mileage. It wasn't really a big thing for me um, until I kind of got a little bit more competitive. And I started looking around at other people and thinking, okay, what is what are what other people are doing to get this BQ time? And I just associated with running more miles. And eventually, of course, you do improve when you're adding more miles because you're building that aerobic base. But there is like that point where more isn't better. And I think I I definitely crossed over that, you know, at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was like, whoa, I wasn't improving. And then sometimes I think people, they think, oh, I'm not improving. So maybe I need to do even more, you know, and it just turns into this crazy cascading effect. Um, But it's terms of like finding your mileage sweet spot or whatever. um, How do you think athletes should go about doing that? And what are some signs that someone's kind of reaching that point of diminishing returns?
1: Yeah, I think really sweet spot is a good way to look at it because everybody, everybody has one and it's always kind of fluctuating. Like when I was training hard, I ran a lot of miles a week, like 120, 130 miles a week. Then as work life got busier. I had to cut back a lot. And then I was more like 100 miles a week. Now I'm more like 70 miles a week with everything that I'm doing. And I think you can always kind of find success in that. But it more isn't always better. So a lot of times when you do more mileage, you know, you start to get tired, it it affects other things. So really finding that sweet spot, what can you balance with your your family life, your work life, and your running life to get the maximum benefits. I think you were running like 70 or 80, and now you're running more like 40 or 50 and having a lot more success.
0: Right. Yep, definitely. I I know, for me, it was like, as soon as I bumped up to like, about 50 is where I started seeing um, a lot of improvements. And so I thought, the following year, um, you know, 2015, 2016, I go, it's time to bump it up again, you know, because I, I want to keep getting those improvements. Um, so I bumped it into like the 60s and I wasn't really improving, but I wasn't not really improving. And I thought, okay, maybe I just need to, you know, change something again. And it just turned into like, let's bump up the mileage again. Um, and then I started getting slower. I mean, not like signif- it wasn't significant. So an outsider might have looked at it and go, wow, you're still running really fast. And yeah, I was, but I wasn't getting better and I was actually getting a little bit worse. <laughs> so that should have been, you know, a red, that- those are always red flags. Um, and it's not something that you can evaluate you know, after two months, it's something you should like look at, okay, what have you been doing the last six months? And like, what is the major variable you have changed? Um, and maybe like reevaluating what that is, maybe you like started doing three workouts a week. Um, and you're not improving. And you've been doing that for six months, okay, you need to make a change, right? Like you have to look at what you've been doing, and then evaluate from there. Um, but yeah, now that It's been the last, what, like, year and a half. I've been floating around, like, close to, you know, 40 to 50, and I'm running um, a lot faster now than when I was running, you know, 70 miles a week. So I definitely think um, people can get caught up in those mileage traps because you get to a point where you're running, you know, 60, 70 miles a week, and you go, well, I'm not improving doing this, so why would I improve if I do less? And I think that concept of doing less to get better – Um, can be scary for people because you spend a lot of time and energy committing to a certain way of training um, and it's not working and so someone comes to you and says just do less (laughs) you know like why would you believe that Um, and I think that can be a hard trap for people who have been running competitively for a long time and they kind of hit those roadblocks Um, you know like after college like I'm sure when you were in college and right after college you didn't really have a ton of life stress, right? Like you would go to practice, you'd do school, whatever. But then like, as you get older and as you get like further along in your career and you get more responsibilities and things piling on your plate, um, that stress affects like how much training you can handle because you can only handle as much stress as you can recover from, right?
1: Right, so so things change. You go through seasons of life. What, what worked two years ago is gonna be different now, you know, and I think it's an important thing to consider too that you can't just evaluate you know like well i'm gonna run this many now for a month okay i need to do more it takes time with with anything success is gonna take time and people people don't always want to wait for things to take effect but you need to try something for you know six months get into a sweet spot then you have to consider well should i run a little bit more am i am i kind of maxed out with my what i'm doing right now and also you know with that too, recovery is important. So, you know, stretching after you run, getting in some weight sessions, that type of thing is also important too. And that takes time. So you have to balance do I have time to run two more miles a day, or do I still need to do my core workout after what I'm running now, you know? So that's a balance. Right. Right,
0: Exactly. I love how you said it's a balance. Cause I always think if I'm going to increase my mileage this week, um, then I better be devoting equal amounts of time to doing additional recovery work and really taking it easy because you know you can only improve as much as you're recovering and that's a really good point just staying on top of all the little things because the more time you're spending running, the less time that you have to do those things. So it, it is a fine a fine balance there and um, I think if people are hitting like those plateaus with their running, um, taking a look at your mileage for sure is one area that you can, uh, can look at cause burnout and those sort of things, they happen and they kind of sneak up on you. I think, um, a lot of people think burnout, you wake up one day and, oh, like my legs are super heavy and I can't walk. It's more of like a trickle effect. <laughs> you know, it can be something that happens over the series, like six to 12 months. Um, and you just kind of slowly, slowly are falling into a hole and you don't really realize it <laughs> until like, you know, your workout times and your race times are just not, um, where they used to be definitely. Um, so another thing that we like to talk about, cause I know earlier you mentioned social media and looking at all of your friends workouts and thinking, Oh, they're doing this and I need to do that. You know, their goal is this and we run the same time for this and I should be working out like them and doing that whole comparison thing to people who um, you either want to run like, or you are similar in ability level to. Um, and then also I think there's certain workouts that people run cause they want to, prove fitness to themselves and I know that I've definitely fallen victim to this before because it's like you don't really know what you can do on race day right it's it's kind of like a test you know you have a ballpark idea but a lot of people they get nervous thinking oh I'm, I'm gonna have to run that pace for that long I've never done that before in a workout so they want to have these workouts where it like shows them what sort of shape they're in um and I don't know like where you stand on that and like what your are your deal is, I, I call them like sexy workouts. It's like, you want to like show off and like see like how great you can run for this workout and what it means in terms of your fitness. And like, what do you think about doing workouts um, where you're kind of testing your fitness and where do they fall um, in training? And how often should you do
1: them, if at all? I'm not a really, I'm not a huge fan of that. I think it's okay maybe to get a, a race on the calendar. Like when I was training for a marathon last year, Two weeks out, I did a half marathon where I kind of ran more marathon pace and then sped up a little bit at the end. And and it worked well and I think gave me the confidence. It was like, okay, I'm in, I'm in good shape. You know, I can manage this pace. But I think you got to be really careful about doing that. If you go out and race your marathon two weeks before your marathon, you're not going to have good results. Same thing with, with workouts. A lot of the workouts – you know, I, and people, you know, people are always concerned about that. Like, well, I'm running slow most of the time, or, you know, I'm not doing any, you know, we're not really focusing on right on marathon pace. Like, don't I need to run more long runs at marathon pace? And, and I don't really think that's always a good idea. I think it kind of burns you out and, and then it does get hard. If you're running all your long runs at marathon pace, you're going to realize that's hard. You know, if you're running them a minute, slower than marathon pace and feeling really good and building confidence, then on race day, it's, you know, you've only been there once. And I think you're more rested, you're focused, and you're ready to do it. Same thing with workouts. I think running a lot of the workouts we run are faster than marathon pace. And that kind of gives you that confidence. And when you come back to run slower on, you know, what is a slower during marathon, your actual marathon, you know, it feels a lot easier than the repeats that you were doing three weeks before at a hard effort. So I, I don't love doing a lot of the, like the, the showy workouts. I, I kind of more just like the consistency and.
0: Right, totally. I like how you said that. Um, and I think that's important for people to hear. Because I think with Strava and social media, we see a lot of people like showing off their workouts. And then sometimes people will like comment, oh my gosh, you're in such good shape. And I always think, okay, like, let's look at the context here, you know, like what is the purpose of each workout, right? So each workout should have a purpose and we shouldn't usually, I mean, there are special cases, but I don't think the purpose of workouts is to like test your fitness. I think the purpose of each workout is, you know, to stress your body just enough to make an adaptation or change. So you should never really be, add 100% effort in a workout like I mean you should be finishing workouts feeling like you have another rep in you you have another set in you Um, most of the time I mean obviously you have workouts where it just breaks you but you don't want to like go into a workout thinking I'm going to test my fitness today I'm going to go all out like the paces are the certain paces for a reason Um, and just thinking of like what is the purpose you know like for threshold runs or whatever um, those should never be like all out effort you should never finish a threshold run like you know, where you have to stop and walk and catching your breath and all that stuff. You want to be staying in the right zones. And I think that's important to remember. Um, And I know that sometimes people want to have like those showy workouts um, so that they can prove something to themselves. But like you said, I think signing up for a race is probably a better option than um, just to see, you know, you want to see where fitness is. Well, let's test it. Let's do a race um, or do a time trial. But I don't think using workouts as a place where you're showing off is a good idea. And I think it is a trap that sometimes people can fall into.
1: Right. And you, and you see that on social media where it's, you know, the week before a person's half marathon, they do a run that, you know, they call or test or prep run or, you know, and they run their half marathon at the pace they want to run. Most of the times if you follow up the next week with that person, their half doesn't go as well as they'd hoped because they raced the week before. Another thing to think about too is it's a lot harder if I were to go out in the morning by myself on the trail and try to run my half marathon pace, it's going to be a lot harder than running it in a race when I'm tapered fresh and in a race atmosphere. So if I go out and run it on the trail, I'm going to put in a lot more effort than I will run in a race. So you're kind of burying yourself even more.
0: Right. Yeah, and I think some people they get they get worried about you know race day. Oh, how am I going to run this pace? And it's like the effect of having other people around you. I know this is going to sound crazy, but it's actually been scientifically proven that if people are watching you do something, you will do it faster. Like they've done like studies on this, and you run faster when people are watching you. Um, it's, like scientifically proven. So you got to think of okay, you're running faster just because people are watching you, and then you have the taper, so your legs are fresher. Um, and then you know whatever other factors go into it so it's important not to like you said go out and try to hammer workouts because you're probably exerting even a harder effort than you would if you were in an actual race if you're trying to like prove something to yourself and um, another point like you said if you know you're hammering 13 miles a week or two before your half marathon just to kind of test your fitness see where you're at um, you're going to be exhausted for your race you don't want to leave race you know in a workout and the same goes for like a 20 miler uh sometimes you know you see people on social media they post these like great 20 milers they're going you know 7 30 pace and you're like wow they're in such good shape and everyone's like you're gonna crush your marathon you're gonna crush your marathon and then they go they do their marathon they're running like eight minute pace and you're like what they you ran 20 miles and 7:30 pace and it's like maybe part of their fitness got left in their training because they raced you know a 20 mile long run and so that's what we try to avoid um you want to save racing for the race and i think that's not something that's talked about a lot is that racing is really really hard and that's where we're trying to work towards you know your goal race we're not trying to work towards showy workouts we're trying to get you to be in the best shape to run the best possible race that you can for your race and so that means saving it for race day not testing it and that's what people say when they say trust your training it means you don't need to go out and hammer a 20 mile long run to see where your fitness is, you know?
1: Right. Ra- racing is hard. I mean, it takes, you know, it might feel a little bit easier, like you said, cause people are around, but if I have anybody doing a race leading up to their marathon, it's going to affect the two weeks, you know, the week before and the week after are not going to be as hard of weeks because you just can't, your body's not going to recover. So you have to taper off a little bit to race well, and then you have to have the next week, be kind of a down week to recover as well.
0: Right. And that can play into the whole mental piece of it too. You know, if you're in that peak week for a marathon and you decide to do a half, you know, the week before that, um, your training is going to look a little different. You're going to feel a little different during that, you know, two to three weeks out because you just raced a half, you know, so you're going to be more in a recovery mode. And I think sometimes that can mentally affect athletes, you know, if they're not super confident in their abilities, they might think, whoa, like why do I feel so crappy for this whole week? Um, and it's because you just raised the half, so you have to like adequately recover. And so there's like a fine balance there.
1: yeah, and the new watches that will tell you that you're unproductive, well, you just race.
0: Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know
1: <laughs> you came off a race so your body's tired, so you're running slower, or people have had the same thing when they're tapering. It's like, well, you're unproductive because you're running less and running slower. And it's like, well, you don't know what we're doing, watch.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. After every easy run I do, it tells me I'm unproductive. But every time I do a workout, it tells me I'm productive. And it's just like, Garmin, get it together. I'm doing an easy run. Okay, I'm not losing fitness.
1: <laughs> right. That, that can be frustrating for people too.
0: Yeah. Um, so in terms of like picking workouts um, within a training cycle, how do you know like what workouts to pick and what paces to go and to ensure that you're not like racing your workouts?
1: I, I mean – I think we always kind of do a time trial of some sort or use a previous race. So you kind of know where you're at with that. But I think you really, really taking your body into effect, you know, and and we're coming off of summer and humidity where all of a sudden you were running eight minute pace and it felt totally fine. Now you're running eight twenty pace and it feels harder. So depending on where you're at in the training cycle, you have to adjust things during the summer. We had, To slow down, people are going to see a a nice boost here in in about a month when when the weather's good and and starts to feel better. But I think so. Just picking, being selective, you know, knowing why you're doing, kind of why you're doing the workout, and and making sure you don't overdo it. I mean, a lot of times, it's it's always thought like you know more is better. So more mileage, longer long runs, more workouts. Like how many workouts can you shove into a week? Well, when I was training hard for the marathon last year, I did. 1a workout and a a long run which is also a workout it takes a lot out of your body I mean you don't have to do three hard workouts a week and a long run it's just it's not gonna be beneficial
0: right or like what do you think about workouts um you know for someone who's like a 19 20 minute five care I've seen some workouts like you're doing 20 by 400 meter repeats or something it's like a 14 mile workout uh And just like the volume of that workout (laughs) like what are what are your thoughts of doing like those super super high volume uh workouts and how do those fit in because i think sometimes people they they see their own workout um i know i actually i recently saw someone who they did like seven by 400 meter repeats and then they saw like their friend did 12 and they were like did i do enough you know and when i saw someone doing 20 by 400 i was like Holy crap! I've never even heard of such a workout. I've done that one. Well, yeah, you have, I'm sure. I was so, there, oh, like 1455.
1: I, and that was training. That was in training for a half marathon. And the pace, I mean, the pace was not that fast. It was just, so you have to adjust kind of things. That was more like a tempo where I did 400 meters and then I jogged 200 very easy. So I did that one, but I wasn't going you know, my four hundred max pace by any means, which I think is another thing that, that people kinda, you know, get confused about. There was th- there was nothing different about that workout from a six mile tempo run, other than I did on the track and my four hundreds were slightly faster and my two hundreds were quite a bit slower. Like very, very easy. So I think I think people always want to do more. I mean training most of my people that have training for marathons kind of on their a workout day during the week, they might do six miles of work. You know, they might do six or eight miles of work depending on, you know, who they are and how many miles they're running, but kind of doing that four to six miles of of work twice a week. And then you're doing your long run on the weekend, which is like a long sustained effort is going to be enough. I mean, I don't think you need to go out and do those really intense extreme workouts, because they do set you back then. Even when you run a long run work in the long run, you're going to need 3 or 4 days to recover. So you're miss you might miss your next workout if you try to do the long ones.
0: Right, that's a good point. It's all about like managing how much you can do. There's nothing really like wrong with those workouts. It's just like what's the purpose of them and figuring out how they fit in with your training because if you're not able to recover in between, you know, that really long workout in your next, uh, harder effort, it's going to just set you back and not really be productive at all. So your philosophy is more like, let's see, like, what is the highest load that you can recover from in three days when you have your next stress event? Um, and I think that's a good,
1: yeah. So, so if you do, you know, if you do four miles of hard work on Tuesday and you can come back and do four miles of hard work on Thursday, that's probably going to be more beneficial than doing, eight miles on Tuesday and then having to wait an entire week to be able to work out hard again.
0: Right. Totally. So do you think that workouts really make that much of a difference in the outcome of your training? Like what type of workouts that you're doing? um, Do you think that they're really that important or what do you think is the most important part of training when it comes to like improving your fitness and reaching your potential?
1: I I think getting, getting the consistency. So I mean, you can do, you can do a great workout, you know, and feel great about it. But if you're not able to run the next three days, or you injure yourself and have to miss a week, I mean, it would have just been better to do easy runs for those three days than to try to really push it and hurt yourself.
0: Right? Yeah, I think a lot of people undervalue the importance of easy runs. Like, uh, you know, that should be the core of what you're doing and workouts just kind of complement that. I don't think it's like workouts are the end all be all by any means.
1: Right. And what you said was like people people see the Instagram workouts or you call them sexy workouts, which are great. But but in reality, you know, getting consistent runs and having a good workout at the level that you're at is going to be far more beneficial than doing one of those great outstanding workouts and we you know and I coached at the college level where there's guys you know you see the freshman guys that are trying to do the workouts keep up with the seniors and most of those guys fizzle out you know whereas if you just kind of work out at the level you're at right now you're going to be able to keep climbing and not put toe. right that's
0: really interesting how you said at the college level you know you get the freshmen that come in and they, they want to be able to keep up with the guys because they think you know if I can do this workout I can run like so-and-so And so, you know, they hammer it, they push it and they think, you know, I, I was running with them in the workout. So it's going to translate to the race. And that's definitely not the case. So like you can do these crazy, impressive workouts and like run your body into the ground. And I could be doing the same workout. You are like, we could go to the track. We could both do the same workout, but like to you, you know what I mean? Like we could be hitting the same paces, but you're going to be faster than me, you know, at the end of the day. And it's, it's going to be easier for you to recover from whatever workout you're doing. And for me, it would like destroy me, I wouldn't be able to run for, you know, two weeks. So I think it's really important just to know, like, run your own paces and don't try to, um, to be anyone else. Or don't try to think that if you hit the same paces as someone else, you're going to be magically, you know, the same pace and speedism. Like, I wish that were true, right? Like, I wish that if, you know, you could, run with someone and keep up with them for, you know, a run or whatever that you could be them, you know, but that's not the case. And I think that's really important for people to remember. Um, And just taking everything with a grain of salt. Like if you see someone did a really impressive workout, uh, you don't know, you know, what they did leading up to that. So maybe you're looking at this workout your friend did and you're the same pace as them. And you're like, I would never do a workout like that or I could never hit those paces. It's like, do you know what their weekly mileage is? Do you know what they did leading up to that? You know, like the context of the workout is really important. Um, to also know, because you're on your own journey and you have your own training plan and you have your own mileage and everything. So, you know, you, you might be training harder than them, but they just did one showy workout, um, to just kind of, you know, (laughs) do it for fun, you know, and you're sitting over there taking it out Mm -hmm. of context.
1: Right. Right.
0: Um, so then I think the other one we kind of talked about was long runs. You know, we, we touched on doing those 20 mile long runs and avoiding doing all your long runs at marathon pace and all that stuff and how that's, um, important. We kind of went into that yesterday. I recorded a podcast about, you know, mistakes that we see marathon, um, trainers make and send out an email yesterday. And it was all about like the number one on that list was running your long runs too fast. And I think that's, you know, really important to, to note, um, but then there's other there's other things that come into play with the long runs. And I think uh, it's really important to talk about them because it's just kind of like this gray area, not a lot of information out there. So for someone who is training for like between a four and like a 3.30 marathon, what do you think the maximum long run that they need to run well like to their potential is?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, there's a lot of factors with that, obviously. It, it really depends on kind of how much training they've had. I don't like to see people go more than 20. And I think how many 20s you do can, you know, is, is a big thing. People always ask me that when they see their, they see their training plan? They're like, well, you know, my last marathon, I did four 20 milers. You know, why, why do you only have me doing one or two? And it's just like, well, I mean, how did the last marathon go? You know, did you, did you feel good at the marathon? And these are things to think about. If you think between a 20 miler and an 18 miler, for someone like that, it's you know it's 20 minutes at max. Then you have to think, okay, am I going to benefit by running 20 more minutes, or am I going to benefit more by not putting my body through that additional 20 minutes and just stopping and feeling really good at the 18 mile mark? And so I usually err on the side of caution with that. And even when I was for my marathon last year, I did. 120, 122 miler, and I did that 22 miler in two hours and 30 minutes, and then the rest of my other longest runs, I did like three 18 milers. So I think there's this common myth that you have to do X amount of 20 milers to be ready. and and that's not the case.
0: Right. Yeah. That's a really hot topic for people. Um, and I know Hanson's method, um, they, they have a training plan out there and they, you know, wrote a book. And I think what was really popular about that when it came out, you know, six, seven, eight years ago was the longest long run in the entire training plan was 16. Um, and I think at first people were like, Whoa, like they had never heard of that concept before. And they thought it was kind of People were skeptical about it um, because it was more of, you know, it was a little bit of a higher mileage. Like you'd be running 50 to 60, I think was the peak, Um, but your longest run was only 16 miles. And the idea there is that. You know, the whole training plan, it's not just your long run, it's the compilation of what you're doing the entire week. So maybe you also have that medium long run during the week where you're doing, you know, 10 to 12 miles. And every other day you're doing, you know, 60 minutes for your easy run. And at the end of the week, you're doing that, you know, two to two and a half hour long run. And the idea is that you're like building that aerobic base and the accumulation of mileage and all that fatigue, um, it builds and it creates you into you know, a strong marathon runner, even though you haven't ran, um, over 16 miles. And I think that concept was kind of new to people. Um, and just the whole history of marathon training, it's, it hasn't really been an event that's been around as long as some of like the shorter distance events. Um, and I think, you know, back when they became popular, you know, in the seventies, eighties when more people started running them, um, the people who were running them, I'm not trying to sound like an elitist or anything, but I think the idea back then, correct me if I'm wrong, was if you're running a marathon, you're doing it in three hours or under, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, the, kind of the people that have run marathons to become more for everybody. Can you hear? Right. Okay. So, you know, from what, like, what you said, when, when the Boston Marathon started, there was like 30 people that, that did the Boston Marathon. Now, that's like kind of the ultimate goal for people is the Boston Marathon. There's so much more participation now, so things have changed. A lot of those really elite runners then could go out and run a 30-mile long run and, and be totally fine. But most people that, that are trained for marathons now don't have that ability
0: Right. So what we're saying is kind of the average pace of people running a marathon is a lot slower now than it was when, you know, marathoning first started. And over time, I think what people used to do for training back in the seventies, eighties, it just kind of got written down. It got uploaded to the internet and people used it as, you know, this set in stone. All right, you got to run at least 20. Um, when the, maybe those training plans that were once created were created by people who, we're all, you know, three to 315 or under. And that kind of goes into play. Like if you find a, a training plan for free online, you don't really know like what the intended purpose is or like who the intended audience is for. And just because that training plan, you know, has three 20 mile long runs, or that's what a lot of people do doesn't mean that that is like the scientifically correct way to train or the best possible way to train to get you in the best shape um, and avoid injury Um, because you're training if you're you're training for like a 315 marathon it's going to look a lot different than someone who's training for you know like a five-hour marathon Um, and I don't think that those two people should be at all aiming for the same type of long runs Um, and just focusing on kind of like where you're at and how long these long runs are taking you
1: Um, right and there's you know I I agree I think that was kind of the the common misconception was, well, you have to run this many long runs or you won't complete the distance. I mean, I've had a lot of success coaching people that do kind of like you said, a, a longish run on the weekends and a medium long run the week. Had a lot of success with people, kind of newer runners that are running two back to back longish runs on the weekend. If you can do that, if you can do a 12 and a 12 on a Saturday and a Sunday, then you get 24 miles that, that weekend in but it's not as intense on the body as running a 20-miler.
0: Right. What other factors do you think are important in marathon training? You know, if we're trying to go away from the 20-mile long run, what other factors do you think are maybe more important or just as important as the long run in terms of marathon training?
1: It would be kind of the mileage during the week and then, you know, amount of days running. So some people are, are only doing – 30 miles a week and that's what their body can handle. So it's not realistic that they can do 20 of that on the weekend, you know, and then, and you can have other ways around. You can do cross training on the elliptical a couple days a week and still kind of get that benefit and then be able to do long runs. Everybody is just so different. So where your starting point is and kind of what your body can handle is really going to dictate. But I think most people think that you have to do, this, you know, this is the way to do it. This is the only path I've had people be successful to finish a marathon, having their longest run be 13 miles. I mean, you know, and then it was amazing to that person. And and a lot of people would say, okay, you could run double what you've run on race day. It's not great. I mean, I, I wouldn't really advise it, but, but it can be done. And that's where the person was running, you know, like 15 miles a week when they kind of started with the plan and, and getting up to close to 30 miles a week but that's where they were at the time and they wanted to right the totally
0: yeah I like how you bring that up 13 miles being the longest run for that particular individual because there's a couple factors that we could talk about here like you're training for a 100 mile ultra you're never going out running you know probably more than 30 miles at a time for a long run. Right. And I think sometimes people think, oh, I got to do at least 20. Otherwise, how do I know I can go the extra six miles? And it's like, what about people who are doing hundred mile ultras and their longest run is 30? Like how, how on earth does their body go another, you know, 70 miles? And I know it's a totally different, um, event, but your body's capable of a lot more than I think we give it credit for. Um, And training in a way that's going to optimize that and prevent injuries, Um, because the number one reason that people don't make it the start line of a marathon is because they're injured and like we try to avoid having athletes go over more than three hours in a long run, if possible, I mean, going a little over is okay, but the reason being is because scientifically it's been proven that after three hours, um, you're like, the aerobic benefit starts to just really go down. And there's not a lot of benefit to running over three hours from an aerobic standpoint. And then uh, the risk for injury also at that exact same time point goes way up, just like skyrocket. So our thing is, okay, you know, risk versus reward. Is there a reward for going over three hours that's necessary? And it's like, no. Um, So we try to stick to more of like a two and a half to three hour as like our longest long run um here and there's a lot of success that we've had doing that
1: right and then just you know when you do have that really long run kind of what you do the next week really matters too so but it's going to take it will take a lot out of your body if you run for three hours or slightly over it's going to take a lot out of you
0: Right. Definitely. Those long runs are really exhausting. Um, but I also think that how much mileage you're running during the week plays a role into how you feel on those long runs. Um, and you know, like for someone who's only running, like you said, like 30 miles a week, it's always difficult when, you know, they're trying to have that, that long run be 20 miles. Cause we always have a rule again, where it's like, we don't want that long run to be more than 30%. And I've had people say, Oh my gosh, well, then that means you have to be running 60 miles a week in order to do a 20 mile long run. And it's like, yeah, that's kind of the concept. Um, and it, it's very similar to what Hansen's method is doing where they're saying, yeah, we're running 50 miles a week. 16 is your long run is because if you're doing all of your running mileage or the bulk of it, I mean, two more than a third of your running mileage for the entire week in one single run. That is gonna be a lot of stress. I mean, that's like a ton. Um, so then, just taking it into perspective, like, what does your weekly runs look like? Like, how much are you running, like, on your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? Because if you're running only like five miles, uh, if you're going fifteen, that's that's like three times what you normally do, you know. And I think, uh, just whatever your weekly mileage is, I always think, okay, if you can just do double that in a long run, that that'll be good. Like, if you normally run eight miles on a Wednesday. doubling that on your weekend long run that that would be like tolerable but when you start going like way extreme like you run three miles on Wednesday and five miles on Thursday and then you're doing 20 miles on the weekend that's where it can be really just difficult not only from like a mental standpoint but like physiologically on your body that's like an insane amount of stress and it increases your chance for injury um, if you're doing too much of a high proportion of your weekly mileage in one run
1: right and I think that's where flexibility comes into if if we're talking about a marathon training cycle and I say okay three months from now I think you'll be running a 20 miler we might get there and and it might not be right you know your other long runs leading up to that might have changed my opinion on that so just having that flexibility like maybe that's when we decide 18 is is better a better option than 20. Right
0: I always think like the more runs that you have in like that 90 to like two and a half hour window um, going into your marathon is like better. I would rather have like a ton of like 90 minute to two hour runs than like one or two, like three hour long runs, just because you you can squeeze more of them in if you're not doing um, like as high a volume, you're able to recover from them faster. And just the sheer volume of being able to do more of them is going to be more advantageous to you than you know, sneaking in one 23-mile long run, you know? Right. Definitely. Um, yeah, so in terms of, like, training for marathons, sometimes we get this question, uh, like, what do you think, in your professional opinion, what would be, like, the minimum base mileage that someone should have when going into marathon training just for, like, optimal results and not getting injured?
1: I mean, that that's always just, like, such a loaded question because... There, there are so many variabilities and and different goals. Some people just have a goal, you know, I want to finish a marathon. If that's where you're at that you want to finish, then you should probably be running at least about 30 miles a week, somewhere in that range, and you should probably be doing some other cross training as well a couple of days a week to kind of get have your body be prepared for that volume. If you're training, you know – for race times and you want to improve your times and you have goals, then you're going to be a little bit higher than that even.
0: Right. And then it just depends on like what your goals are and your background and everything too. But yeah, I agree with you. I think 30 miles a week is like a good starting point. That's a good um, base mileage to have. Um, And it really depends on like what the athlete's goal is. But I think sometimes people, they want to like jump the gun into marathon training and they've only been running 30 miles a week, but they want to run you know, like a super fast time. And it's like, we can try, but you have to have that like aerobic base too.
1: Right. I mean, I've, you know, I, I always, it's hard to put a number on it and I always hesitate because I've had some really successful runners that run 30 miles a week because that's what their body allows them to do. But then, you know, they pool run or they bike, you know, they bike three times a week for an hour. So, you know, there are other variables too. So I hate to, really put a number on it but I think you have to have a a solid base before you commit to a marathon and and that stress that it's going to put on your body
0: right like someone who's biking doing cross training for like 60 minutes on the bike like twice a week that's going to look a little bit different Um, I mean that's better than someone who's just you know only running four days a week if you have those extra aerobic cross training days it's going to help you a lot
1: Um, I think
0: a lot of the problems come when people think like cross training is doing weightlifting or high intensity interval and that's great stuff but it's not actually going to help you in the marathon because the marathon's aerobic so you got to think anything that's keeping your heart rate elevated and it is really time consuming to train for a marathon um some people think gosh that's a lot of work to put in and yeah it really is so just (laughs) choose it wisely and if it's not a good season for you if you can't commit to the you know aerobic training maybe thinking of um like a date in the future that might be better off for you
1: yeah, and everybody wants – you know, a lot of people want to run a marathon. It's like a great goal. I was supposed to run one in July, and just kind of where I was in life, I just wasn't able to do it. I had to pull out of that marathon, and there's there's nothing wrong with that. I think people think, well, I signed up for it. I have to do it. But you really have to listen to your body and, and know yourself. I just knew myself that I wasn't getting in the quality runs that I needed, and I wasn't going to be in a spot to do the marathon
0: right and that's good to know like me maybe, uh, maybe like your fitness wasn't there or even like if you don't want to do it like if you just have no desire to do it anymore it's not like sounding fun like it's totally okay to just not do races um I've done 18 marathons but I have definitely had a lot of ones that I signed up for and I'm like yep not doing that you know and I, I, you don't really talk about that because it's like I just forget about it after I sign up and don't do it but Um, a lot of people, they, they sign up for races and they don't show up and that's totally fine. Um, you got to do what's best for your health and for, you know, your, your own mental health. Like you don't want to go to a race if you, if you don't want to be there and you don't want to train for it. If, uh, the desire is not there and physically you just aren't in the shape to do it. Um, so it's really good to share that. And I think training
1: should always be fun. So don't let it like ruin your life. I mean, you know, it's, if you can't if your heart isn't in it, it's okay to, to make an adjustment and, and change something.
0: Right. Totally. I agree with you hundred percent. And I think a lot of the marathoners now um, traveling to marathons is a really big deal. Um, and I think that even makes like a bigger deal out of things. And so people are like, well, then I have to cancel my travel. And it's like, yeah, that, that sucks. But like, <laughs> we've all been there, right? Like, it's like, if you don't want to do it or you're injured or you, you feel like it's not right, Um, it's better. I mean, there's going to be more marathons in the future and it's something to be like ashamed of, like canceling your hotel or canceling your flights or whatever. Um, It happens and you just have to do what works for you. Right. All right. Well, I appreciate you chatting with me about um, all these running topics and kind of uncovering things that I don't think are talked about enough. And I think the wisdom will be really useful for people who are thinking about running a marathon or just trying to improve their training. So thanks for taking the time. Yeah, absolutely. It was fun. Yeah. And if you ever want to learn more about getting coached by one of the coaches that run for PRS or Ben himself, you can head over to www.run4prs.co, um, fill out the form there and then we can chat right away via email. So thanks for listening.